0: Hallelujah! Well, how many's blessed tonight? Amen. And isn't it good to see? Yes. Praise God! When we've been ministering up here, we uh, it, we could see about the first two rows, and after that, we couldn't see hardly anybody. <laughs> but now we can see everybody. That's great. Amen. Well, I just want to know how how are you doing tonight? How about being highly favored and blessed of the Lord? Amen. Amen. You are blessed to be a blessing. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a blessing. Amen. Praise God. Well, open up your Bibles this evening, if you would, please. We're talking and we started a new series last week. Uh, Brother Eric brought a wonderful message for us last week. And uh, we appreciated that on David. And tonight I'm going to bring a message on Father Abraham, Father Abraham, he had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you, so let's just praise the Lord, hallelujah, amen, if you remember that little song, then they go right arm, then left arm, <laughs> amen, Praise God. So we're going to be talking about Abraham tonight. He is called the father of the faithful. And uh, you can open up your Bible, if you would please, to Galatians chapter number three. I want to read just one verse of scripture to you there. Galatians chapter three. Verse number nine. Galatians three and nine. He said, so then they which be of faith, how many of us are of faith? Yes. We're of faith. Write these four scriptures down. Are you ready? Hebrews two, or excuse me, Habakkuk two and four, Romans one seventeen, Galatians three and eleven, and Hebrews ten thirty eight. I'll say them again. Habakkuk 2 and 4, Romans 1, 17, Galatians 3 and 11, and Hebrews 10, 38. Those four scriptures all say, the just shall live by faith. Say that with me. The just shall live by faith. Isn't that the kind of life you're going to live? That's the kind of life we're living now? I want you to know that uh, Father Abraham, that's the kind of life he lived. He lived a life by faith, operating, living, and walking underneath the direction and the guidance of Almighty God through the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit leading him in his life underneath an old covenant. And God truly blessed him abundantly. Can you say amen? amen? Amen. So it says again... In 3 and 9, it says, So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. We are blessed. The old covenant was given for the purpose of a schoolmaster or something to teach us what things were going to be like. How many of you know it all gets wrapped up in Jesus? Jesus came in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17. You can write it down if you want. 5 and 17, it says, He came to fulfill the law and the prophets. Everything was ratified, satisfied, and fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That's not new news to you, but it might be a need to become a revelation to you. There's more to it than it just being a scripture. It needs to become revelation, knowledge to you, spirit-taught truth, something that's in your heart, something that's in your spirit. You can't live outside of revelation knowledge. Head knowledge will only get you as far as your head. Revelation knowledge, which comes from the heart, is what you live by. You live by faith, confidence in the ability of what God has already done for you. Now he wants to do it through you and through me to accomplish everything that is necessary. Can you say amen to that? We're going to live by faith. We're going to walk by faith. Father Abraham, he walked, he lived, he moved by faith. We're going to see that in a couple of stories tonight. There are so many things that we can talk about this man's life who laid a foundation so that you and I could be part of the seed that would be Uh, a part of His ministry. He's still producing. After being in the grave all of these years, the seed that He left behind is still producing. In uh, Galatians 3.29, it says this, And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed. If you be Christ. How many of us are born again? We're Christ. We have the anointed one and we have His anointing. His anointing is here tonight to set the captive free, to do whatever is necessary to heal, to mend, to mend the brokenhearted, to touch a man in his spirit, in his soul, in his body, and his domestic needs. He is here to do what it is we need him to do. We need the we need the signs. We need the wonders. We need the miraculous showings of the things of God. What fo- the reason people followed Jesus was not just because of His teaching. They followed Him because of His miracles. The signs and the wonders that He did. How many of you know that He hasn't stopped? People are still looking for the supernatural. And they're trying to find it in many, many ways. The devil is out there trying to push his stuff so that people would believe in lying wonders. And that's what they are. They're lying. They have no lasting effect. When God does something, it's eternal. It has eternal effects, not only for your life, but for everyone that is surrounded around you. It touches everyone that is around you. Whatever you do in life, whether it's positive or negative, affects somebody else. You can't get out of life without things affecting other people because of your actions, whether they be good or bad. How many of you know we like to think on the good? Amen. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. Well, God is with you too. Amen. And we're going about doing good. We're touching people's lives, ministering to their needs, ministering to their hurts, everything else that is necessary. We're touching them in their life. So go with me, if you would, now to Genesis Chapter number 12. I'd like to begin with the beginnings of Abraham. Genesis chapter 12. And we're going to read the first nine verses. Genesis chapter 12. Beginning at verse number number 1. This is in the King James Bible. He says, Now the Lord said unto Abram, he said, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. How many families? All families. All families. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him and lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. Now, just a word to everybody. Just because you get older in the natural life does not mean that you're done. (laughs) Abraham was 75 when his ministry started. 75. Now, it is it is the same years in which, like, you live. And he started at 75. Moses was 80. Joshua and Caleb were well up in years as well when their ministries actually began to be activated. So you and I have a lot to look for. So you and I can function and operate underneath the principles that God has given not only to old covenant, which had a, had a lesser ability in the old covenant as, they, as we do in the new covenant because we have more precious promises and we have the person of the Holy Spirit who now lives on the inside of us and gives us the ability to do exploits. Supernatural things. It ought to be natural to be supernatural. Church should not be just as norm. Church is a time that we come together to seek and to see what God has to do to operate into the supernatural. The Holy Spirit of the living God wants to do everything that you desire Him to do. He will touch every life. There is not one disease known to mankind. There is not one sickness There is not one disease. There is not one demon. There is not anything that can hinder or stop the move of God when a people will worship God and believe that our God can do anything. Absolutely anything. There is nothing that is impossible to him that believes. That's you and me. We're sitting on the prefaces of the last of the last times and listen God said that the old and the and the uh, the the new and the old are going to collide together and we're going to have an absolutely explosion of the supernatural of God. You have not seen anything yet and the best is yet to come. Amen. In Abraham's day Abraham was believing the same. Obviously, Abraham had some type of relationship with God or God would not have called him out. He lived in the land of idolatry. He lived in Ur of the Chaldees, which was an idol-worshipping nation. But he happened to be one that was apart and set aside for something that God wanted him to be and do. And so my first thing I want you to see about Abraham is his willingness just simply to obey God. Just to obey. How many of you, if God spoke to you, first of all, you'd probably say, are we sure that's God? Number two, we'd want two or three confirmations. And on top of that, we would really like for a prophet to show up And let us know that we're hearing from God. But the truth of the matter is. Abram at that time. He had obviously a relationship with the Lord. And the Lord told him to get out of his country. Now what if he told you. To get out of your country. Because you've got a destiny that is on the inside of you, that cannot be fulfilled in the place in which where he was living. He could not get the job done in that country that God was expecting Abram to fulfill. The destiny that God has for you is the same kind of a destiny that God has for Abram. But the thing about it is, is he turned to his wife and he said, he said, God spoke to me and we're supposed to leave our country. We're supposed to leave mom. We're supposed to leave dad. We're supposed to leave all of our kinfolk. We're supposed to get out of the country. And we're going to go to a place that we don't even know. Now, how many of you are going to take off on a destination not knowing where you're going? If God tells you to get up and go, your job is to get up, obey, and go. If he says to go to Timbuktu, then you get up and you go to Timbuktu, wherever Timbuktu is. Or if he says, just get up and go and I'll guide you, you got to get up and go. I'm going to let that sink in just for a second. This is a real man with real feelings, real love for his family. And yet God is telling him he's got to separate himself to be able to get done what God wants to get done in the destiny that's in his life. Did you know that this church has a destiny? This church is headed for some really great things. And I'm not just saying that to say that. I'm saying that this church is a pocket of the presence of Almighty God. And He's going to show up and He's going to show off. The lame will walk, the dumb will talk, the deaf will hear, the diseased will be freed, the blind eyes will open those deaf ears are going to unstop. Demons will flee. Matter of fact, they won't be able to make it into the sanctuary. Don't find it be a strange thing if people come and walk into the building and they fall flat on their face right as they enter the door. That should not come as a surprise to this church because God is about to do... Listen... How can you ask for, for marvels, for wonders, extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of our God? If we're not expecting that, then our prophet has spoken to the wrong people. But he didn't speak to the wrong people. He spoke to the right people. And there is an energy and there is an excitement. Just like in that day when God spoke to Abram and he said, Get up and get out of your country and I'll show you where I want you to go. Spoke to his wife and the thing I really like about Sarai, there was no resistance. She said, Whatever you want to do, honey, if God said it, we'll just do it. We'll just go. That's like whenever I spoke to Diane. We'd passed for 28 years, and I'd been talking to her for about six years. I said, honey, you got to get ready because God's about to do something. He's about to change our destiny. He's about to change where we're headed and where we're going. Uh, We're coming to a close. My grandson said it the best. He said, grandpa, he said, they had you for 28 years. It's my turn. It's my turn. Not only that, but Abram, his brother's son, Lot, says, I want to hook up with you. I want to leave too. And how many of you know that Abram, whenever it came time for, they had such wealth, already in the natural, in possessions and everything else, when it came time, there had to be a separation between Lot and Abram. And he says, you choose wh- where you want to go. And he says, and I'll go the other direction. I mean, you know, that's, there's no selfish bone in your body. Whenever you've got a land that's Flourishing and it's green and it's got population and everything else. But how many of you know it was the wrong place? So let's go on with this just a little bit further. And so Abram, he departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old, and he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all his substance, and they and they had get, that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into a land of Canaan they came. And Abram he passed through the land unto the place of Sychim, unto the plain of Moreh, and the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord and he called upon the name of the Lord. And and Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. Abram left it all in order to get to his determined destination. Are we willing to give up whatever is necessary as a body to get to our determined destination? How many of you know that we got a whole community, and this community is growing fast, growing really fast, and so it should not be a strange thing for us to think that by the year of 2023 that we'll be at a 2,000 plus. I mean, the church is growing now, but it's going to be like an exponential curve. We're going to hit a certain level, and it's just going to absolutely explode, and you won't be able to contain or to keep the growth from happening. Because we're in that time and that season, just like Abram was in that appointed time to do something great for God. God made him a promise. His wife was barren, but God made him a promise. And he immediately, when he got the promise, he immediately sacrificed unto the Lord. He built an altar and he worshiped God and thanked God for the revelation that God had given to him about his child that was to be knowing that his wife was barren and had not been able to conceive and bear a child. But yet God said, don't look at what you see in the natural, but look at that which is supernatural. Isn't that what it says over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18? It says, while we look not at the things which are seen, But at the things which are not seen, they're eternal. When God says something, you can just log it down. It's going to happen. If God says he's going to destroy this earth, he's going to destroy this earth. If God said that there be light, there's going to be light. If God says, let the firmament exist, it existed. If God said, let there be herb bearing seed, the Lord planted and he created an instant crop. When God said, let us make man in our own image and in our own likeness, God did exactly what He said. He made man a spirit, put a soul inside of his spirit, which is his mind, his will, and his emotion, and then He clothed him with an earth house. And man still exists to this day. When you look at me, you're looking at Adam. That's my great, 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 great grandfather. If you want to know where I came from, that's where I came from. Well, but Pastor, was he white? Was he brown? Was he black? Was he red? Was he yellow? He was all. He was all because God is all. And God never looked at it that way. He just said, let us make man in our own image and in our own likeness. And then he clothed us, gave us a house to live in while we're on this planet called earth. But this is not our final residence just like it was not Abram's final residence, but he had a destiny while he was here. A destiny in life. So he lived in an idolatrous land that worshiped nothing but idols all the time. But somehow he managed to slip through all of that and find the living God the one that Paul the Apostle talked about to the Greeks, to their unknown God. He said, I'm coming to preach to you about the, the true unknown God. You don't know him, but I'm going to teach him to you, tell you about the true unknown God. So whenever Jesus came to the fishermen that were fishing, the Zebedee boys, Peter and John, and he saw them out fishing, and they were taking care of their nets and putting them up. And, and he went over to them, and he said, hey, listen, guys. He said, will not you follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Did you know that they dropped everything they were doing? They turned over their business, and they headed out following after Jesus not knowing where they were going or where their next meal would come from. But yet Jesus never missed a payday. These guys left and went and followed Jesus. We have left and we've gone to follow Jesus. Back when I first got started in ministry, before I ever even became a pastor, I'd been ordained and everything else, but God called me and told me, and I say he called me. He, in prayer one night, he just said, Phil, he says, you got to get prepared and ready. We, Dine and I owned the business. And he says, you got to get prepared and get ready because I'm going to put you out in ministry. And I said, Lord, when is all this going to happen? He said, Get ready now. Get ready now. I said, Well, I got a lot to do. I mean, I mean, we gotta put the business up for sale. We gotta, you know, we gotta promote it and do all this kind of stuff and everything else. And a man walked in off of the street, a man I'd never met in my life, walked into our place of business and he said, Are you the owner? And I said, Yes, I am. And he said, uh, he said, I just want you to know I've been in prayer. I've been praying and he said god told me to come and buy your business i said i beg your pardon who told you that he said god told you that god told me that and i i mean i i was shocked he caught me off guard i, I mean i haven't advertised i haven't done anything And I said, well, he said, well, he said, uh, what is your name? So I told him my name. And he said, well, the Lord told me to buy your business and that he's putting you in the ministry full time. And I'm supposed to give you 10% above your asking price. And whatever you say is the price, I'll give you that plus 10%. And I looked at him just like you're looking at me. God will do exceedingly, abundantly above all you can possibly ask and or think. And that's how we started in the ministry. Is we just simply obey God. I said, okay. I said, this is what we want. He said, done. He said, and I'll put the 10% on top of that. And I said, well, I have to get an attorney and everything, you know. And I said, you've got to get the name changed over. You've got to get your license. You've got to do this, this, and this. He said, done. I said, what do you mean done? He said, I've already done all of those things. I've already got the name. I've already got my business uh, papers done. I've already got my number. I've already got everything. I'm ready to go. When can you leave? <laughs> and so I come home and I tell Diane, I said, pack our stuff. We're leaving. She said, okay, when? I said, now. Now? I said, yeah, now. Well, she had already been kind of, packing and getting things ready because we knew something was up. Abram knew something was up. He just knew that when God spoke to him to do it, he was just going to do whatever it is that God wanted him to do. It was not a hard thing, obviously, for him to give up that which he did not have great attachment to. Listen, if you've got great attachment unto Things around you like mamas, daddies, children, grandchildren, you know. Let me to read to you what it says in Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 26. He said, if you don't hate your mother, your father, and that word hate there, I went and did a little research to find out what it it really meant. It doesn't mean the kind of hate which you and I think of whenever we think of the word hate. It means to love less. To love less. If you don't love less your mother, your father, your children, you're this, you're this, and you're this, and you're that, he says, then you're not worthy to become my disciple. I mean, if you know, God's not going to share the throne with anybody. He must be on the throne of our life. It's obvious He was on the throne of Abram's life because Abram was willing to get up and go. Was he a God? Was he a man of faith or not? Was he a man looking and seeking for a, a, the Master Builder whose city was God? He was looking. He was seeking, he was searching. Are you that hungry? Am I that hungry to go after whatever God says, to be upplucked if necessary, to do whatever it is that God has called us to do? When we left Massachusetts, we knew exactly where we were coming, we knew exactly what church we were going to be a part of because the Lord had already told us in advance. We already knew. We had already been here umpteen times. Every time we come and visit with our daughter, this is where we would come to church and be a part of the fellowship. We loved what was going on at Heritage of Faith. We liked the spirit that was in the house. It was such a kindred spirit of what was going on that the church that we just left and came to this direction but it was more advanced. And you just have no idea how blessed you really are. You may think you do, but he's fixing to do some really cool things. Really good things. Just like he did in Abram's life. Now go with me to Hebrews chapter number 11, if you would please. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verses starting at verse number 8. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. Say obeyed. Amen. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith He sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. What was he looking for? A place to rest and relax? No, he was looking, he was intensely looking for God. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, he said, oh, that I might know him. Oh, I got to know him. That word know means intimate, intimate relationship with. Oh, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. I don't just want to know him as, as my Savior, I want to know how He became Redeemer. I want to know that anointing. I want to get in touch and tapped in to that anointing. Because in that anointing, it destroys every yoke of bondage. Listen, that's the reason that everybody talks around here, protect the anointing, protect the anointing, protect the anointing, protect the anointing. Protect the anointing. Why? Because the anointing is so precious and valuable. We were in Catherine Kuhlman's meeting. I might have said this last time, but uh, when we were in Catherine Kuhlman's meeting, uh, the, the house was lit up. It was, I mean, it was, it was just, the electricity of the presence of the Holy Spirit was just enormous. And it wasn't because of Catherine Kuhlman. It wasn't because of Jimmy, the singer, or Dino Carsonaka, the piano player. It was because there was an energy in the house because the people came with such anticipation and expectation of the move of God. And God just met them there and the Holy Ghost just began to flow. Well, Catherine comes out and she does Catherine Kuhlman's thing, you know, and she says, I believe in miracles. And she twirled and all of that kind of stuff. And that was wonderful. But during the course of the service, there was two times that I can remember that she stopped the service. She said, wait, wait, wait. She said, my friend is about to leave the building. Uh, You know, we're all like, who? Who's going to leave? What friend? She said, the Holy Spirit is my friend. Now, we know that the Holy Spirit abides and dwells on the inside of us. That's not what she was talking about. She was talking about the anointing. She said, the anointing was beginning to wane because the people were getting their eyes on the signs and the wonders rather than the workings of a sovereign God. That ought to be the norm. When God moves in our midst, it ought to be normal to you and it ought to be normal to me because that's just what God does. Everywhere he goes, everywhere he touches, something supernatural happens. How many of you believe that the anointing was on the staff in which Moses carried? How many of you know that stick had no anointing at all? You know what gave it anointing? was the man of God that held it, that believed the assignment that he was given. When he said to touch something with it, he believed that it was going to do something. And it did. And God is doing the same thing today. Same thing that he was doing in Abram's life. We'll show you that in just, just a few more moments. But he goes on in it it tells us the, the key to his life now, as we see in Hebrews here, is his obedience. The key to your life and to my life. Second Samuel chapter 15, verse number 22 says, "You don't have to turn there. But it says that obedience, part of the scripture, says obedience is better than the sacrifice. You can't give enough time. You can't give enough money. You can't give enough uh, energy. You can't give enough love. You can't give enough peace. You can't give enough joy. You can't give enough victory in your life to satisfy one iota of what God can do in one second through your life in his anointing, through your obedience he says do something, you just say yes. You just say yes. If he says go, you say yes. If he says come, you say yes. If he says get in the corner, stand on your head for 15 minutes, just obey. Just do it. The great men of old, back in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, A.A. A. Allen, we could go on with a list of names, but the key to their ministry, I've done a research on it, and the key to all of their ministries was number one, prayer. Yes. Number two was just obedience. When God said to move, they moved, and not until. They just didn't do it until God said to do it. We don't build the gymnasium until God says, Build. We don't build the sanctuary until God says, Build. We're on God's time. And the day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day to the Lord. In other words, He's not bound by time, neither is He bound by space. The earth is his and the fullness thereof, but guess what? So are all the galaxies. And they're finding more, and they say it's exploding all the time. There's more and more galaxies. Because when God said, Let there be, there it just kept on being. It hasn't stopped, it's just continuing to go. And he's in control of it all. How many of you know he can do a lot better job in your life than you can? I have found out after being a Christian for over 50 years that uh, he knows a whole lot more than I do. I remember when I used to tell my dad, you're square. I used to think God was kind of square too when I was very, very young in the Lord. But it didn't take me very long to figure out he was a whole lot smarter than me. And he knows what's best for my life. And the thing about God, he loves me unconditionally. And he loved Abram unconditionally. How many of you know Abram wasn't always perfect? Just like David wasn't always perfect. Matter of fact, we can't find very many of our great men that were perfect. I think there's only one perfect. And his name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And he became sin. He was not a sinner. He never became a sinner. He became sin. There's a difference. He became the epitome of sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God in him. Everything that God ever wanted you to be has been found in that person, Jesus of Nazareth. He made it very clear. If then you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You got the best of both worlds. Abram is the one that God used to bring that to you. And Jesus ratified it, satisfied it in his own blood. Amen. Go with me now, if you would, to Hebrews chapter number 11. Oh, you're already there. Verse number 17. It says, By faith Abram, when he was tried, he offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. So Abraham was also challenged or tested in his life. Let me tell you, you will be challenged and you will be tested in your life. Faith without works Corresponding actions is dead. But he says in James, he said, when you are tried or when you are tested, he said, you, you and I shouldn't be concerned by that. Matter of fact, he says, we should be leaping and jumping. He said, we're to rejoice in that day. That word rejoice means to spin around. Hollering, yay, yeah. Go, go, regardless of what trials and circumstances you were faced with. Listen, he's given you the ability to overcome because he overcame the world for you and for me. In Genesis, if you would please now, chapter number 22, Genesis chapter 22, we want to see, as we are closing tonight, we want to see the test that Abram, who is about to become Abraham now, his name is being changed. And it says in verse 20, in chapter 22, verse number one, and it says, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. The word tempt means test. He tested Abraham. And he said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and he saddled his ass, and he took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and he went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father. Now, how many of you know if you're a kid and you're running around with your dad, you like dad, right? You like to hang out with dad, and dad says, we're going to go do something special. And you say, okay, it's just you and I, son. We're going to go do something special. And he says, we're going to, God's given us some instructions. We're going to go up to a mountain, and we're going to sacrifice, and we're going to worship God together. And so his son's all for it. You know, the one thing I noticed here, I don't know if you can see this or not. I saw this several years ago. I hadn't seen it before, but he never asked Sarah. I wonder why he never asked Sarah (laughs) if it's okay for he and Isaac to go up to the mountain and worship God and sacrifice. And especially if he told her the truth. If he told her, honey, listen, God just spoke to me and he told me I'm supposed to go take our only son, take him up to the mountain, and I'm supposed to sacrifice him. What do you think her response is going to be? I mean, the mother's womb is attached to the child. Now, men don't have as much of a problem uh, letting go sometimes their offspring, you know, and everything, but the woman is different because the woman's womb is attached to that child. That's her child. She gave the birth. You might have been a part of it, but she gave the birth. Now, I used to say, honey, I've been just as pregnant as you are. I I want the same cravings that that you want. You want pickles? I'll eat pickles with you. You want ice? I'll eat ice with you. And she didn't want ice at 9 o'clock at night. She wants ice at 2 o'clock in the morning. And that's the reason I believe, it doesn't say it in the Bible, but I'm just I'm telling you, I, I'm just showing you, I think that the man used some wisdom because he knew that he wasn't going to get her consent. Because the first time he went to her and he says, Honey, God spoke to him. He said, We're supposed to leave our family. Got her right in the middle involved in it. But this time he didn't. Because the test was on Abraham. See, he knew that God was bigger than what he was asking him to do in the test. He knew that the God that he served was not a sacrifice of kids. He knew that that God, the God that gave him a promise of that child being the one that would carry on the lineage and bring forth all of the nations of the earth, that that child, regardless of what God said to do, if he had to sacrifice him, physically do it, then God was obligated to bring him to life. It was the perfect example in the old covenant of what God was doing through His Son, Jesus. Jesus came here for the purpose to die in your place, in my place, so that you could live forevermore. He came to die so that He might live again, so that you could be truly born again of the Spirit of the living God. What Adam had lost, He now has restored. So the young man, Isaac, he says, Dad, I need to ask you a question. He said, Dad, here's the wood. I'm carrying it. And you've got the fire. But where's the lamb? Where's the offering? Good question. Nothing wrong with the question. What does Abraham say to his son? He said, uh, my father, and he said, here am I, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself. God will provide himself a lamb. For the burnt offering. So they went. Both of them together. The answer. Sufficed the son. Now. Here's the real test. It says. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. I'm sure. He went whew, just in time. That's our God. He's the God of the 1159 59 59. He shows up just in the nick of time. I cannot tell you all the stories where God has shown up in just the nick of time. For us personally. I can just imagine your stories. How many times God has shown up just at the eleven fifty nine fifty nine? 59. You are the 29th chapter of the book of Acts. You know there's only 28, right? You're the 29th chapter and God's writing a new thing. He's doing a new work. Now, if I'm the boy, and all of a sudden, my, my dad told me that he was going to provide himself. Now, all of a sudden, I'm the one that's laying on the altar. I'm tied up. That'd been a good time to escape. About the first time you saw that the ropes were going to be tying your hands up, and you're going to be put on the altar, that'd be a good time for you to run off. But he didn't run off. He just obeyed his father, and he believed what his father told him. That's like you and I. Sometimes we just want to run off and we want to say, God, why? Why this way? How come can we can't do it some, some way easier? I'm sure Abraham was thinking, couldn't we do this some way easier? I mean, he was a man. He had feelings. He had compassion. He loved his son. What is he going to tell his wife? Well, I'll tell you what he's going to tell his wife. Same thing that he told the young men that he left back at a little far distance away, what did they? What did he tell them? He said, me and my son, we're going to go up on the mountain and worship God, and me and my son, we are coming back. See, faith has words of action. Would you say he was living by faith or not? He said, the just shall live by faith. How many of you believe that's a faith action? Just simply doing. God's asked you to do a lot of things, I'm sure, not maybe in the same way in comparison, but he's asked you to do things that you have been faithful and you've just done what God told you to do and God met you right where he needed to meet you. You always have your naysayers that come around. Just like Job's comforters, they came around, tried to tell him why he failed, and why he missed everything. But the reason he failed was because he had fear. He was afraid of what his children would do. And the thing that he feared the most came upon him. It was not because he had committed some great sin or crime. It was because he got so involved that he forgot who he was and he lost Everything he had. But when he got it right, God turned it back around and multiplied it. Did he not? Let's finish this. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. This is verse 11. And he said, here am I. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou do anything unto him, for now I know. Gee whiz, didn't you know before then? For now I know, thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram, and he offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son. I'd say Abraham was a man of faith. I say uh, Abraham was a man of signs, wonders, and miracles. He was accustomed to the supernatural because he followed after God with all of his heart, all of his mind, all of his soul. And that's what he's told you and I to do. He says we got to put him first. If we want to see all of the things that have been prophesied and spoke to us, prophecy is only as good as the believer that receives it. Prophecy doesn't happen by itself. It happens because we believe it. And then we begin to see it come to pass. We have to put our hand to the things that God tells us to put our hand to. If you want to see blind eyes open up, then you have to prepare the atmosphere. If you want to see the supernatural works of God, you have to prepare the atmosphere. What was Abraham doing? He was preparing the atmosphere. He went to worship God, truly worship God, even if it meant sacrificing his own son, which God would then have to raise back up because he's not a God that should lie. He made a promise and he had to keep his promise. We've got a God that loves us loved Abraham, loved Isaac, loved Sarah, loved Jacob, loved the whole world, that He came and gave His very best. He gave His only begotten Son. Knowing that His Son would have to go through all that He went through to bring the final sacrifice, that was a preemptive look into what's going to happen. It's up this time, Jesus does die. He has to die so that you and I could live. Did you get anything out of this? Praise God.